So I joined GitLab as employee number 10, uh, no idea where it could go. Uh, for those who haven't seen the news, GitLab actually went public on the NASDAQ stock exchange in October. So it's been an incredible journey that I had the privilege of, of seeing uh, from the front lines from this very early stage. Welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. Our show is produced by Algman Business Media, where we make having your own video podcast as easy as joining a call and sending an email. The stage is yours. Visit algman.com to learn more. Today on Data Leadership Lessons, we welcome Dawa Ban. Dawa is the founder and CEO of Meltano, an open source data operations platform. While a college student, he began working at GitLab as their 10th employee. In late 2019, Dawa joined the internal Miltano project at GitLab and quickly became its general manager. In early 2021, Dawa led Meltano in spinning out of GitLab to become an independent startup while raising $4.2 million in seed funding. Today, Meltano is on its way to becoming the world's first open source data operations platform. Dawa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, very excited to be here. So like we do with all our first time guests, just take a moment, give us a little bit more of the context of your career, kind of where you came from and how, what you studied in school and how it led to this amazing opportunity to work with Meltano, work with GitLab and, um, you know, kind of be on this journey that you're on. It's amazing. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, you already hit a couple of the points in your, your brief summary, uh, which I'm, I know you were reading from my bio, uh, but the story really starts pretty, at this point, 18 years ago when I was nine years old and I got into programming because a friend of mine showed me that there were some websites that explained how you could write code and it would make things appear in your web browser, which of course felt incredibly powerful, uh, still does today, but especially at nine, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, so throughout my entire you know, high school period from like 11 to 18, I was doing freelance web development. I figured out relatively quickly that this skill that I was teaching myself uh, was actually marketable. And if you didn't tell anyone how young you were, they were actually willing to pretend that you were an adult they could come in business with uh, even. Um, when I was 16, I ended up joining an iOS and Mac app develop development studio as engineering lead. Um, and two years later with one of my founders or one of my bosses at the time, I ended up founding a startup uh, when I was 18, where we were building software for bed and breakfasts to manage their reservations, their guest communications, their website, et cetera. Um, and it is through this company that I ultimately ended up at GitLab. Um, mm. During my time at this, this startup I had then, I started studying computer science in the Netherlands. Uh, I quickly realized that I didn't necessarily need to give that my full-time attention because I'd already picked up so much of it along the way. So throughout my entire bachelor's um, degree, I tried to go to as many conferences around Ruby on Rails, the programming language that I was working most with at the time uh, as I could. At some point, I was in Athens at a the European Ruby conference uh, and over lunch, I ended up talking to a guy who was also standing by himself at a table and I introduced myself and I told him that I worked for, uh, well, the business I had and that I was from the Netherlands. Um, and he ended up pointing me towards his boss who was in the other corner of the room, telling him his boss was Dutch as well and that we should go chat. So I introduced myself to his boss and I told him about this company I had where we built software for bed and breakfasts. And as it turned out, this person I was talking to was uh, Sid Sibrandi, now the CEO and co-founder of GitLab. And his parents had a bed and breakfast in the north of the Netherlands. So just through this kind of chance uh, meeting at a conference in Athens, um, he and I 
stayed in touch. He got an idea of what I was capable of building, even at a relatively young age. And we kept running into each other at different meetups and conferences around Europe and the Netherlands over the coming months, to the extent where he asked me one day if I uh, wanted to come join GitLab, which at the time was still mostly an open source project with a community of several hundred open source contributors. But there was already a team of about six uh, full-time employees at the time trying to build a company around this, uh, this software for software development teams. At the time, I was still very happy with my own startup and I, uh, I told Sid I wasn't interested. Six months later in January of uh, 2016, no, I'm doing the math wrong, January of 2015, um, I reached out to Sid again and I told him that uh, my situation had changed and he basically hired me on the spot. And this was right when GitLab was going through the Y Combinator uh, Accelerator program in Mountain View, California. Um, and GitLab was 10 people when I joined and about to ha raise its first seed round of funding. So I joined GitLab as employee number 10, uh, no idea where it could go. Um, for those who haven't seen the news, GitLab actually went public on the NASDAQ stock exchange in October. So it's been an incredible journey that I had the privilege of, of seeing uh, from the front lines from this very early stage. Um, during my time at GitLab, really quickly, I became the first engineering lead and manager at GitLab. Uh, I ran the, at the time, 14 people engineering team for the first uh, year or so. Um, and as the company kept growing, I, I stayed in engineering leadership and um, learning what it took for my team to be productive and learning also how the tool that we were building, GitLab itself, was enabling teams to adopt these DevOps best practices in a way uh, that was never possible or so as accessible before. At some point though, when GitLab had reached 1400 people, I was starting to feel that itch of, of wanting to work at a smaller company again. Yeah, I, I wanted to join a smaller project again. Uh, and I thought that that would require me leaving GitLab, which I was hard pressed to do because of GitLab's kind of unique approach to all remote work and a lot of flexibility around how people combine their work and their uh, life and the freedom to travel, which is something that I can talk about a little bit more, which has been really important uh, in, in my life so far. Um, I live in Mexico, city for what it's worth, not in the Netherlands anymore. Uh, so there's a story there too. So I was at this point where I thought I would need to leave GitLab to find what I was looking for. And then this kind of unique opportunity came up to join the Meltano project, which was an internal project in GitLab that was founded in 2018 um, by the GitLab data team who realized that a lot of these software development best practices that they saw day in, day out in the internal teams at GitLab, as well as at GitLab's customers, could similarly benefit data teams uh, and make them more collaborative, give them higher confidence to experiment and try stuff out without fear of breaking things, and in the end, increase their confidence in the results of, of the work that they do and the, the data that their business uh, uses to make better decisions and, and, and improve their products. So I joined Meltano. Um, kind of to bring that software engineering experience into the, the data tool space. Um, at the time, Meltano had been around for about a year and a half. And even though we had this broad vision of what it could be, we had not really been able to find the traction and the enthusiasm in the community that we were looking for. So the decision was made at the time to um, take the six person team that existed and basically reduce the headcount on the project from six people down to one to give ourselves a little bit more runway to figure out if we could pivot and, and find something that would really resonate with these data people that we were trying to, uh, to empower. Um, so in early 2020, I was left on the Meltano project by myself uh, and I had to figure out relatively quickly how to turn it around. Uh, fortunately, I did. We can talk about that more at length uh, in duration of the call um, to the extent that by the end of 2020, GitLab had 
enough confidence in the project that I could bring some more people onto the team. So I hired um, one of the original people that had been involved with the Maltano project internally at GitLab, Taylor Murphy, who's now our head of product and data, uh, as well as one of the most active contributors from the open source community, AJ Steers, who is now our head of engineering. And around this time, I was talking to the GitLab CEO about where Git Maltano could go. And I um, we realized, we came to the conclusion that in order for Maltano to really reach its full potential, spitting it out as an independent startup, raising some external funding, and really being able to go all in on this vision we had without being in some sense limited in our aspirations because of the, the bigger machine that GitLab had become, uh, was the best path forward. So in May, we spun out of GitLab, uh, which we announced in June, and the team has now grown to 10 people. And we have a lot of plans for the rest of the year. That's it's such a cool story already. And, and I feel like we're just at the very beginning of where this is going to head. And there's so many things that I, I'm like, I'm a kid in the candy store right now because this is the world I live in and I've seen in different perspectives. Um, and it doesn't really surprise me that Meltano as part of, of GitLab and, and with GitHub, it, it, it's all that is a different side of the house traditionally, which is the side of the house I come from is the data space, right? And, and like, we couldn't get people to do, you know, code management and check-ins, let alone <laughs> a more comprehensive, collaborative uh, uh, way of working. So there's some things that I want to dig into on that as well. But I can definitely see where once given a little bit of distance from that application development side of the house, the code development side of the house, where if you can evolve what you're offering in Meltano to really fit the data community, I could see it being tremendously valuable. And I'm seeing in, in a number of different capacities, uh, the, the notion and, and the practices around data ops really starting to hit stride now. So I think from a market perspective, uh, the, the world is your oyster. You have so much potential here. So can for the people who are not as detailed and familiar with what even uh, GitLab does, can you talk a little bit about what the origin of Meltano was and, and kind of where, how it spun out of that, what, what GitLab really does, what Meltano kind of was in the very beginning and kind of where you see it going from here and, and what your kind of unique market uh, position is going to be with this company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I agree with you that the, the timing for data ops um, tooling has, has never been better. So we are at a really nice inflection point here on how we think the data space will look. Uh, and the unique background in GitLab that we have, I think, will bring significant um, yeah, value to the table for us to actually make this happen. So to provide that context uh, that, that can be useful to the audience, GitLab um, is a an end-to-end -end platform for the entire software development lifecycle. So if you have a company that builds software, and this can be a dedicated tech company or just a, the software division at any large company these days that maintains some amount of internal tooling, you are talking about software engineers, you probably have product managers, you have um, user interface designers, and a whole bunch of different disciplines that come together to build high-quality software. And there's a life cycle to the way that this process works, where you usually start with some kind of idea or you get user feedback on something you want to build, then the next step is to spec out what this can look like in terms of additional functionality in the product that you're building. Then there is 
usually some stage where um, other stakeholders like the user interface designers come in to flesh out this, this idea. And then there's the development stage where the actual software engineers get started. And software engineers don't just start writing code and then finish by the end of the day and then everything's perfect. It is a usually iterative process where it's starting from fundamentals, making many, many, many changes and trying to get incrementally closer to this, this goal. And in order to have a lot of confidence in what you're building, uh, both it meeting the requirements and you not accidentally breaking things, um, you need tooling that helps with change management, that helps collaborate in teams of multiple engineers, that helps with automatic validation of um, the code you've written and, and making sure that functionality you wrote last year doesn't accidentally break because you made a change somewhere that has some in in unintended impact. And then there are further stages where through the process of writing this code and getting it to that level where it passes some checks, you can automatically deploy it onto um, users' devices or the, the, the website where users will get to interact with it. And this is a life cycle because then you usually go back to the first step again and you start working on your next idea or an improvement to the original idea. And GitLab is a platform that brings all of this functionality that software development teams need to collaborate into one massive platform that then becomes kind of like an operating system or the one tool a software development team lives in um, that enables them to build really high quality software together um, and do so more quickly than uh, without you know, the help the platform provides. So GitLab came from an open source project called GitLab built around an open source technology called Git, which is also the open source technology that GitHub is built around, which you might be familiar with. They were acquired by Microsoft a number of years ago and they do something very similar, but there is a significant difference in that GitHub itself um, was a proprietary product that you buy and you pay for and you use, and you can use it within your own organization. While GitLab from day one has been open source. So all of the source code has always been available for free to the whole world. And it was very much a collaborative effort, collaborative effort of a really large software development community around the entire world that came together to work on this tool together because they wanted it themselves. They knew it would benefit others. And they saw an opportunity to bring all of their own ideas and perspectives and, and mistakes of the past uh, together to build their ideal platform to make themselves more productive. Um, and very much building on this philosophy of building tools together with the users of those tools and the philosophy of um, enabling more effective collaboration by having automated tests, by having some amount of, of change management and code reviews so that people can make changes with confidence that they won't break anything because someone else on their team can come in and bring in feedback. The data team at Meltano, uh, rather the data team at GitLab, realized that these were qualities that data teams would similarly benefit from. And um, they decided to start building open source source data tools that would try to encompass the entire data lifecycle and um, do so while bringing in some of these DevOps development operations, best practices that I've talked about a second ago, like version control, code review, uh, continuous integration and deployment, which is fancy words that basically mean automated testing and nothing goes live until all the checkboxes are checked. Um, and wrapping this all up in, in, in tooling that would revolutionize the data space in the same sense DevOps had software development. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm just so. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the differences in the way data people work versus the software engineering side of the house, and like what you need to address differently as Meltano versus what GitLab would do for for software engineers? 
Yeah, great question. Uh, there are a number of differences that are relevant, but the thing that surprised me the most is how similar the state of the data space today is with the tooling available to it and the way teams collaborate to where the software development space was maybe 10 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Looking back at what GitLab is doing, we realized that very early on, the biggest challenge wasn't necessarily in convincing companies to use GitLab for their software development lifecycle. The problem was convincing them that they wanted DevOps at all, that they wanted automated mm. testing and automated deployment at all. And that the waterfall-based way of working in the past, where it's very much about different disciplines doing their work to perfection and then handing it over to the next team, um, didn't work. And with the agile methodologies of, of collaboration and, and project management, finding ground in software development, the types of tooling that these teams needed also changed. But in the beginning at GitLab, we still had to convince people they want this stuff at all. These days, that is kind of a given. And we see something similar happening with data ops where the challenge today isn't even so much about convincing people they want Meltano, but convincing them that they want data ops at all, which really means, which really means convincing data teams that they are far more similar to software development teams than they might even realize and that they would actually benefit from seeing the work they do and uh, you know the, the data stack that they build by picking different tools and hooking them together and building custom components and then you know having a dashboard or some kind of notebook that a data scientist or data analyst works in we want them to see that this is way more similar to product building than they might realize. And their data stack is not just a combination of, of purchasing decisions, like I'll choose these five products and that's what we'll use forever. It is really you building a bespoke piece of software, a bespoke product suited to the needs of the specific organization where your users are your, your, your colleagues in the company that want to somehow benefit from the data that you make available to them. The features of the product are any way that they have of interacting with it. So those are the visualizations, methods, uh, the, the BI analytics tools, and um, opportunities to run you know, Jupyter Notebooks. And the data team, the data engineers, the analytics engineers, their task is really to build a product and continuously improve it day after day to more successfully meet um, the needs of their colleagues and the goals of the organization. And all of these advantages of software development that I've talked about, where you want to have really high confidence that when you want to make a change, you don't accidentally break something down the line. Uh, software development and DevOps have answers to that, that the data space and data tooling today isn't really set up for, because many times you end up with some SaaS software running in your browser and you make a change there, and the, the effect immediately uh, affects, you know, your CFO is about to do a board meeting and wants to present their dashboard. And if you accidentally made a typo, then the live dashboard will be broken. So coming from the software development world where I really hadn't been much exposed to data teams and the way they work until I started looking into Meltano and then I had this opportunity to join the team, I was really surprised to see that the parallels to me were obvious. Data teams themselves might not even realize that those parallels existed. But for me, this was just an opportunity to bring all of these 10 years worth of lessons from software development and the specific lessons we had learned at GitLab, building this open source developer tools um, for and by software engineers into the data space. Um, some of the differences though, one big difference is that over the last five to 10 years, the data space has become incredibly horizontally integrated when it comes to the tooling. Mm -hmm. So gone are the days of these big integrated end-to-end -end data platforms that companies were using 10 to 15 years ago and that big companies are still using today. Instead, you have the modern data stack where you make like six or seven tooling decisions. You try to get the best for the task at hand. And then there's a challenge for the specific data team in 
hooking these up together and, and making it all work smoothly. Um, what that means is that this vision we had of building an end-to-end -end platform for the data lifecycle cannot be realized just by building one massive tool and saying, replace everything you currently have with this new thing, because as a consequence of this horizontal integration at every step of the life cycle, at every layer of the data stack, there are so many kind of really great tools competing and, and focus so narrowly on a really specific problem to be solved that a single product can never really claim to do it all better or even good enough compared with the tools that spend every day just iterating on a particular area. With GitLab, the situation was a little bit different 10 years ago. Um, because there wasn't really any platform that tried to, well, first of all, there wasn't a platform that tried to do everything for the entire data lifecycle, but the horizontal integration also hadn't evolved to the extent that you had multiple really great competing solutions at every step. So GitLab's approach was to just build one end-to-end -end platform, get all of the contributors in the open source ecosystem to contribute to this one tool, and then we will build something amazing. And GitLab has been able to do that. In data, because things are a little bit more fragmented and horizontally integrated, our opportunity is different. Uh, we have realized that in order to bring DevOps best practices to data, which you can summarize as data ops, uh, what's really needed is a new layer in the data stack, a foundational layer, if you will. Uh, we like to call ourselves the foundation of every team's ideal data stack, because we acknowledge that every team's data stack is going to look different. It's going to look different today versus six months from now and five years from now, all of the tools might've been swapped out, but there are still advantage in having some um, part of that stack that brings it all together and allows teams to interact with it as if they are building one data product that they can then easily um, you know, run and test locally without accidentally affecting production. They can have automated tests running somewhere in uh, their DevOps platform so that they will see an error message if they accidentally broke something before actually getting this in production. But all of this requires this, this loose combination of tools to still have some foundational layer that, that brings it together and allows it to be treated as one unit. Uh, so that's a massive difference in the approach that we are taking with Meltano as a modular open source data ops platform versus uh, GitLab, which was an all-in-one open source DevOps platform. So, oh man, there's so much that I could get out of my soapbox about on and, and, and <laughs> what you've been talking about. And, and I would, I will just say, I will just say I absolutely agree that it, it seems like it's history repeating itself, but in the data space versus uh, the software engineering space. And I would and I would argue that even for the last several decades, the walls that have differentiated the data space from the software engineering space have been crumbling slowly but surely. And that there are things that have kind of thrown the line over that wall. I think of things like NoSQL, which is now the domain of more data people than it used to be where the data people were like, well, we're relational, this NoSQL business, the application folks that are literally had created it to do the kinds of things that the web needed to be done, the search and retrieval of, you know, a lot of contextual information related to a specific account or specific person, specific entity that, you know, it helps drive their engagement with that uh, application, the, the web application or internet site. Um, you know, it was it was born out of necessity. And eventually people on the data side are like, you know what? That's pretty good at that particular thing. Like, let's understand what that happens. And more data people have gotten exposure to NoSQL and have started to expand their horizons. You see similar patterns taking place with knowledge graphs and, and other things that are 
the domain traditionally, I would argue, of, of the application and software development side of the house. But I certainly agree with your assertions that the data space, if we cast a slightly different view than maybe the, the data people traditionally would, especially enterprise data people, would have traditionally thought of themselves as, it really is a software engineering or application development type of function with just a few differences in what they're working with. The, their clay is different, but they're still sculptors. And so I do find it, it's very comparable and interesting to think about this as a, you know, it's, it's in some ways it, it's bringing together what are two sides of the coin already and, and just using more similar tools. Hey, we can learn from the software engineers who have solved this particular set of challenges before. We're not good at process and operations in the data space where we're, we think about things. And it's like we write queries using the same kind of iterative process that software engineers use to write code, but we don't acknowledge the fact that there's value in understanding those iterations. We try to make it so that that query or those analytics get to the right answer. But then oftentimes, and this is where I do think there's a difference, oftentimes we, we don't see the result from that until much later when a CFO is looking at two reports where the numbers should be the same and they're different. Like, why is that? And then you realize, oh, well, it, it was calculated differently or there were different subgroups or whatever it was. But there's often that time delay because data starts to hide underneath the surface, which actually makes it that much more important to have rigor in the process of developing it because you want to catch these things up front. Otherwise, they may remain buried. You're not going to get that immediate feedback of, hey, we're, we're going to do this presentation and uh oh, the thing just broke. You're going to find out later after you've already reported financial results to the market that now you're going to have to go and restate things. Well, what's more problematic, that kind of big problem that goes unseen for a long time or something that ruins your morning with a bad demo, but can immediately be fixed and then you can move forward. And that's what we want to do is we want to reduce that cycle time. We want to get it to the point where we know immediately, hey, we have a problem here. Let's fix it versus having it be buried and then come up at the worst possible time later. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that um, things like having consistent definitions of metrics so that you don't have to, you know, contradictory numbers in the final dashboard and things like lineage, being able to trace all the way back where some data point came from are um, go hand in hand with this kind of platform way of thinking about data products. Like the best mm -hmm. data lineage tools today, unfortunately, are these all in one platforms that really do have everything under one roof because they can easily relate one data point there to there. But if you are putting together your modern data stack with five tooling decisions, it becomes really difficult to have that information be easily traceable between in, through the entire lifecycle. So Meltano being kind of an extra foundational layer that has full visibility in the entire data stack and all of the different components also allows us to realize functionality like this um, that previously would just be hard to, hard to realize in combination with the fact that since we want to get data teams into the habit of versioning their changes and being able to you know, describe with a quick commit message why you made a certain change, it will also be much more easy to trace back a particular error that arose to the specific change that triggered it, which you can then trace back to the code review conversation where it was you know, signed off by another team member. And then you can trace it back to the specific issue that, that prompted that change to begin with. And 
just this, this lineage that doesn't just go through the data through the data pipeline all the way to the point of data ingestion, but actually also goes into the, the meta level of the team that that made this change and why is extremely powerful. And seeing um, your your data pipeline as a type of software um, all the way from the ingestion piece to the, the, the dashboard or report definition and the SQL queries in your BI application um, is something that the software development space 10 years ago hadn't really caught on to yet either. Like I remember when I started you know, programming almost 18 years ago now that I would just sign in over FTP to some live production web server, download a PHP file, make changes, upload it back, and then go to the main website to see if I didn't break something. And now that seems yeah. unthinkable. But to me, the way a lot of things work in data land still look like something that I had thought of as something of the past. But what I want to say, what I want to add to kind of add some color to what you were saying earlier about, wow, data can learn from software development. I think in the other direction too, I think there's a big opportunity for software engineering teams and data teams to start feeling more, like you said, like kind of two sides of the same coin or, or way more similar than they are different. Um, data engineering and, and data work more as a subset of software engineering than anything else. Because what I'm also seeing is that software engineers that need to do things like pulling data from various APIs, transforming it in some way, and then presenting it to the user in the UI, they don't know what the right terms are to even Google to find the ETL solutions that data teams have been working with for decades. And we are trying to build software that can, a tool that can really marry these worlds that will feel at home to software developers who already know that the only kind of data pipeline they would ever build is one that's gonna be version controllable and testable. Um, and then at the same time, bringing these data engineers into these expectations by showing how, how beneficial it's been for software. And then a place where we end up, hopefully, is where every software engineer will be able to be more productive with data work. And every data engineer will also feel more empowered to um, use software to, to you know, automate things beyond just writing data pipelines. Because just the mental aspect of, I'm a software engineer, you're a data person, creates some expectation in those people's heads of what I can and can't do and, and where the limit is of my skills. Um, and I think that's completely unnecessary. And um, there's so much to be gained from these worlds kind of colliding and, and you know, combining. Couldn't agree more. And and time spent trying to understand at a deeper level what the other side of that coin does yeah. is really important. I'll never forget early in my consulting career, I was more on the data side. I came from a business intelligence and and you know data warehousing world where we're doing data modeling and like there's a lot of complexity in creating these massive calculations and models to do things like financial reporting and things like that. There's a lot of complexity there. And, and I was really familiar with that. And I didn't know it's the software engineering side of the house as well, but I was working in a consulting firm where we had our, our app dev team who were talking about writing to APIs, which I knew a little bit about, but I hadn't done a ton of in the data space at that time. And, and I remember them just completely dismissing how complicated the data warehousing component was. They're like, well, we just need to pull out the data, but the data part's easy. So we don't have to worry about that. And I'm like, wait, 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 it is not easy. It is not something that you can just dismiss, but that's human nature. We tend yeah. to devalue or diminish the complexity of the things that we don't understand because we're humans. Like that's just a fundamental trait that we have. But I do feel like when it comes to being a data uh, person or a software engineering person and finding ways to realize that, hey, these are all 
all interconnected. These are all just different facets of the same collection of challenges that we face to yeah. using data to improve our businesses. That's really what data leadership is all about. And so having that awareness is a great first step. So for anybody who's listening and these concepts and the things that we're talking about today with, with DevOps and data, like you've got years worth of learning in front of you because <laughs> there's these are very deep topics now. But just knowing that they're things is a great place to start. It's a great place to understand, hey, there is a lot of thought being put into these areas and there's an evolution happening. I mean, it's kind of crazy to me to talk like 10 years ago, these things were barely being figured out on the software engineering side. And, and that's true. It just seems like it's been so long because they've become so ingrained in, in our processes. But it's it's something, too, that you know they've evolved naturally. And I think the data space has an interesting history because a lot of the analysis, a lot of the the understanding of what makes the data valuable and how it can be combined to create things that are relevant to the business happens on the business side itself. The data analysts, the financial analysts, those are people that I wouldn't call traditional IT or technology side of the house folks, but they, because of their need to leverage technology, created these data groups that kind of came up in between that software engineering side on the very deep technical and programming side and the data analysts, which were very business-centric, creating dashboards and things like that. And so you started to see, to your point, the the tooling started to cre you know create these, these greater horizontal coverages that could be used by people that sat firmly on the business side of the house, but were able to exploit technology enhancements that went really deep into into the technical side of the house. So it's 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 an interesting paradigm that we find ourselves because to do this effectively and and like what Meltano is trying to do is to say okay, well, you're going to have a different collection of tools or what have you. We're not going to try to replace that. And I have a question related to that, but it's it's you're you're going to just try to plug in and explain it because I think things like data lineage remain an incredibly difficult challenge mm -hmm. because we're looking at changes happening over time and then being able to retroactively go back and explore them. And we've already talked about how the development process of these data pipelines and, and data movements, we aren't very good at showing our work in those by themselves, let alone looking back on it from the data perspective and saying, where did this number come from? How did this get created? If we haven't done our jobs in, in documenting the flow of that, that knowledge may be lost, let alone difficult to find. So the question that I have for you, though, is because we, we can certainly talk some more about lineage and, and that, because I think that's a, an area we're talking about. But also, how do you, for someone who's in deep in the data space that maybe doesn't have as much of the that software engineering or programming background, how do you differentiate what Meltano does versus being just another ETL type of solution where you're facilitating those workflows. Like, help me draw the contrast between those because I know there's a relationship there, but I want to understand better the, for the audience out there. I want them to understand better. Where does Meltano sit in relation to what we would consider the ETL um, functionality that we may be more accustomed to? Yeah, great question. Uh, there's a couple of things you were mentioning earlier that I'd love to get back to. One phrase that mm -hmm. kept coming up in my head while you were talking was just the importance of a shared vocabulary within data teams, but then also between data and, and you know software engineering teams. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit first about how Meltano relates to uh, ELT tools, for example. So. Um, 
ELT, you know, ETL, uh, whichever way you're going, data integration and transformation uh, is, is in many cases the first step of the data lifecycle. You've got to get the data from somewhere, load it in some data warehouse. And there's a lot of solutions that have been built to do that. Um, but we think they're lacking in various ways. Um, they are not set up with these DevOps kind of best practices and principles in mind. They don't really allow you to version your configuration or to test things locally before you, you know, um, have them take effect in the live environment. So one of the th first things we started doing with Meltano, and this is this pivot about a year ago that I was talking about where I had to kind of figure out how to turn the product around and find traction in the short term was for Meltano, which started with this really broad one tool for the entire, entire data lifecycle uh, goal to focus instead just on that very first step and bring data ops into it and, and bring the advantages also of open source software into it. So Meltano, if you go look at the website, um, you know, in October, I'm not saying today, because we'll have to see when this gets published, but as of October on the Meltano website, we position ourselves as ELT for the data ops era. And um, the way we compare to other ELT tools, the open source aspect makes a really big difference. Um, Meltano from day one has always been about uh, adopting and supporting existing, if possible, best-in-class open source technologies and tools. So for EL, we chose Singer, which is a standard for data connectors that has a library currently of about 300 connectors for different sources and destinations. Um, in that sense, it can rival the libraries of tools like Fivetran, but this is completely open source. All of the source code is available. Anyone in the world can build a new connector with ease. Uh, we've built an SDK, software development kit, to make that extremely easy. And um, people can improve, extend, iterate on these existing connectors as they see fit to make them more appropriate for their use case. So when it's just about ETL, Meltano has massive advantages over other solutions because of its much larger library of connectors and the flexibility it gives teams to go beyond what is supported out of the box. Um, and as an open source platform, it can be self-managed so that you have complete control over uh, where the data goes and where it doesn't go, perhaps more importantly, uh, for privacy, security, or even compliance reasons, if you're working with healthcare data, for example. Mm -hmm. But from Meltano's perspective, Singer for data connectors and DBT, uh, which is this amazing data transformation tool that I'm sure most listeners are familiar with, are just a couple of the plugins that our data ops platform supports. And the goal of Meltano is to provide that platform that you can bring different components into. And then Meltano provides the glue, the intermediate tissue between the different components, gives you a uh, consistent configuration layer for the entire thing and also allows the different components to um, have their configurations synchronized automatically so that when you point at a different snowflake warehouse all the tools including potentially your you know your bi or analysis tool knows where to look now um, so for elt alone the combination of singer and dbt managed with meltano can directly compete with fivetran or all these other tools people might be using today but what meltano really adds is that layer that brings together great open source tools and technologies so when you're thinking about your modern your data stack today uh, and you have five tooling decisions some of them you might have gone for some proprietary SaaS software, but there exist really great open source uh, BI tools like Superset and Metabase today as well. Um, you know, on the data orchestration 
uh, side of things, for example, when you are talking about these workflow managers like Airflow and Dexter and Prefect, this is another piece of software that's open source and you might need to deploy somewhere. Um, and then if you want to have DBT running somewhere with your transformation pipelines, then again, that's another piece to deploy. And this becomes, this becomes really complicated very quickly because you need all of these tools to have some shared understanding of what we're all about. And it is Meltano that provides that stable foundation on top of which you can build your ideal data stack. And Meltano allows teams to treat all of this as if it is one product that they build with one repository where they can do this version control and code review work. And it allows entire data teams, all of the different disciplines that might exist from data engineers to analytics engineers and analysts and scientists to come together and have a single source of truth and a single place to discuss and collaborate and give each other feedback on anyone's idea for how this data product could be better. Um, kind of to tie this back to what you were saying about the shared or what I kind of heard you say about the shared vocabulary and the importance of it, just by bringing people together in one place, one website that defines the entirety of the data products, all the way from integration to uh, analysis, allows them to ask each other questions and make suggestions and go find the relevant code and see like, hey, is this where I should make a change if I want X, Y, Z? Instead of saying, well, I'm a data analyst. I have no idea about this engineering stuff. If I need anything, even if it's just another column or another API endpoint that I would love to see in my database, I need to create a ticket and throw it to the data engineers. And then they are going to be working in this kind of like ticket response workflow, just like analysts often do when they just get questions from the business and, and they are basically just working through tickets all day. But it would be far more effective for all of these stakeholders to be able to have a shared vocabulary, be able to trace, okay, I'm looking at this dashboard here. I can find the code that pulled that data from the relevant API. If I'm a little bit familiar with SQL or maybe a little bit of Python or YAML files where you can configure this stuff, I can figure out how to add another attribute. And because this is not just immediately going to go live, but it's going to go through this code review process, you can have the confidence to propose changes, even if you're not super confident in what you're doing, because you know it's going to be reviewed and approved by someone who knows better, and not just a person who knows better, but an actual automated testing pipeline. And it will tell you if you accidentally broke something or not before, um, you know, as an alternative to saying, I don't even want to touch this because I'll break things, you guys do it. Um, and bringing these people closer together, not just on the data side, but on the software engineering side is, is extremely valuable and uh, a really big part of what we're trying to accomplish and, and what DevOps has accomplished in software development. Well, and, and it encourages what we were talking about earlier around learning more on the other side of the coin is that if you can feel free and encouraged to suggest potential solutions, I think of it as a, as a great way on the technology side of things to do what I do in, in business and in consulting all the time. It's to say, hey, half of consulting is suggesting really bad ideas for people to react to. And, and going from there, just because a, a blank piece of paper is a much more difficult starting place than a terrible idea. Like a terrible idea, you can react to very quickly and iterate fast and you'll get somewhere uh, remarkably quick. If I know I'm looking for something and I can say, hey, it should look something like this. And then there's a way for me to propose that and for the system or for the people to react to it and make it, oh, you know what? We should do it this way because of X, Y, Z. You can be so much closer, so much faster with that kind of interaction and it helps self-document like if i can just show you what i'm talking about and then we can react it 
saves me the trouble of trying to figure out the words to describe the thing that I could otherwise draw you a more direct picture of. And and that's the kind of, I think that's where DevOps is, is at its finest, right? Where we collectively bring our wisdom to a shared, you know, it's, it's common vocabulary, co- common vocabulary, but it's also a common working area where we together solve these problems using our different perspectives, our different vantage points, our different skill sets to then collectively solve whatever it is that needs to be done, get it done in the fewest steps necessary, have it be validated and then codified, put it into production, you're done, you move on yeah. and, and you get to the next thing that much faster. And that to me is is the key takeaway for folks that are, are new to this space is to say, this is all about evolving how we work to get to the core essence of what's really necessary and remove as much of the redundancy and as much of the the unnecessary steps as possible and this is a continued evolution right like this is we've caught we've come a long way in the last 10 years right what what are these next 10 years you know what will they have in store so that that's my next question for you like where do you see this going what's the natural evolution of this and and how does meltano um expect to play a role in that yeah, I'd love to answer that question. I'd also love to start by kind of tying into what you said about the importance of the uh, common working area. And that's really what I'm mm-hmm. talking about when we say, you know, one repository, which is kind of the software development way of saying, you know, a project, a collection of files that come together to create something, uh, a software product in many cases, or the single source of truth where you give the entire team one place where they know they can find the actual state of things and also knowing that everything that comes together to create that dashboard that you're looking at in your bi tool is in one place and you could theoretically if you as an analyst detect that there's some error in the database use meltano to um, find out within one place the code that was responsible for pulling it out of the api the code that was responsible for for transforming it into the required uh, data schema tools that were responsible for um, you know having kind of automated data validation tests while that pipeline was running all the way to the actual sql query that generates the report giving people the confidence that they know where to find it instead of this scary feeling of like, well, I'm an analyst, I know by BI tool, but anything that comes before it is weird tools I've never used. I don't have the accounts. I don't know which buttons to click. I'm afraid I'm gonna break things. Um, giving them the confidence that they can find it. And like you said, that they can suggest a change no matter how bad it is and not accidentally break things is massive. And in software development, what we saw is in just by bringing product managers and UI, UI designers and software engineers and, and you know QA quality testers to one place and giving them um, access to everything the others are seeing allows this collaboration to turn from a kind of walled system where you just throw stuff over fences because you're afraid to even touch it because you know you could break things that's kind of the reality of things today Um, we want to throw that on its head so when we're talking about where the next 10 years are going like i was saying earlier um, in data we're still at the space now where it's not even so much about convincing people that Meltano is amazing. It's about convincing that the data ops is something they want at all. That applying DevOps to data makes sense. That software development teams have a lot more in common with data teams than they might realize. Um, some of this kind of wave towards a horizontally integrated data tooling space with best-in-class tools um, is already kind of revolutionizing the way things work, but something has gone missing because there's no longer that that single place people know to go. So we, in the next 10 years, are going to be seeing a combination of, I think, really 
um, focused tools for really specific problems because there can be 10 competitors and everyone can kind of bring in their new idea to make transformation better than it ever was before while trying to fit this into a world where there's clearly still value in having a consistent foundation that, that pulls it all together. Of course, that's exactly what Meltano is, but this is a challenge that will take years and years to kind of roll out in, in many organizations. Uh, and some of this will also just have to become companies getting comfortable, getting off of their maybe 10-year-old end-to-end data platforms, adopting specific tools for each step of the way in combination with a tool like Meltano and data teams that need to not necessarily retrain their people because if these people are productive today, then they can ever be, but at least realizing there's additional skills they can learn. And there are things from software development that are really not specific to software development. Um, GitLab, their mission, the mission for GitLab has always been everyone can contribute. And the, the broader vision has been to build a platform that allows knowledge workers in any profession to more effectively collaborate, to build better things together. And in this mission and vision, software is explicitly mentioned nowhere. Like obviously today, GitLab is still primarily focused on software development teams, uh, but now GitLab and DevOps in general is at this position where it can start moving into more and more and more industries, starting with the ones that are more closely aligned, more adjacent to software development. But the goal is very much to find a way to bring these advantages to any knowledge industry in the world. And part of the challenge with Meltano is to kind of provide that layer between the software development way of looking at things and the data way of looking at things. Um, and, and doing it in such a way that the, the, the DevOps best practices will feel natural to data teams uh, in the same sense that now data work will feel natural to software development teams. So over the, that's part of what I see happening. This is really big data ops revolution, which is going to take 10 years to pan out. Um, the other thing that I think is really key is open source software. One of the many reasons why Meltano is open source um, is because I just very strongly personally believe that the most, the, the best, most useful, uh, most effective tool will always be a tool built in very close collaboration with the users of that tool. The feedback loop needs to be incredibly tight. And it does not get tighter than inviting your users into your issue tracker, into your code base, allowing them to make suggestions, like you said, Anthony, allowing them to make suggestions, even if they'll be, the code will not be up to par or whatever, but just giving that ability to express themselves and start the conversation allows us to build tools that make its users more effective than ever. And in GitLab itself, it was always quite special that the users of the product were software engineers and obviously the people building the product were also software engineers. But what we're seeing in data now similarly is that data engineers and analytics engineers are increasingly becoming more confident with little bits of programming and little bits of Python. And having the opportunity to build your own ideal tool to make you most productive, um, it doesn't get better than that. And we can bring together the ideas and the perspectives of, of thousands, if not millions of data engineers, instead of having to defer to one product manager and their team, however amazing they might be, it's different from saying this is a product for data people, by data people. Um, our mission very explicitly is to not force our perspectives on you, especially because I, coming from software development, never having worked in data, I'm very aware of how little I know, but I really want to listen and create a space for people to come together and build really awesome data tooling together. And I think that in any field, any industry where the users of tools have the capability of programming, even if it's just as little as, you know, I know how to write SQL code in an editor and I'm slowly getting to use Git, once you have that level of technical skills in your users, open source software will always win.
period. Because this model of we charge for it, we you know build it to our own liking, and if you don't like it, go to a competitor, just does not scale if you have a user base that is empowered to say, well, we're fed up, we're just going to build something yourself and it's going to be better because they can actually make it happen. So um, more and more, I think that, that um, the entire space will move to open source software. To some extent, we're already seeing that, of course, with... Um, you know, work for orchestration stuff like Airflow, Dexter, and Prefect, DBT for transformation. Uh, and especially now that the space is becoming increasingly horizontally integrated, it's going to be much easier for anyone to step up and say, well, I built an open source alternative to fancy, expensive tool X. And then that open source tool might actually be much better than the alternative for places, especially if it can rally around another couple hundred people to bring in their ideas, perspectives, and, and coding skills. Um, so 10 years from now, just like we see in software development, uh, the data space is going to be built around open source tooling. DevOps best practices are going to be built in from day one. And these data teams are going to be functioning and thinking of themselves much more like teams building a product than, you know, I'm, I work in tool A, you work in tool B, you work in tool C, and the responsibility of the data team is to make good product purchasing decisions, which I think is a really kind of sad way of thinking about this, this massive responsibility of uh, setting up all the infrastructure a company needs to use data to the full potential. Um, and tying together the open source and the full potential bits, uh, you, you end up at what our mission is as Maltano, which is to enable everyone to realize the full potential of their data. And the everyone here in, is intentionally broad um, we want to include anyone who could benefit from doing anything with their data, which we know is literally everyone, and give them the ability to do so. Um, and then open source ties into that in a really big way. Dawa, thank you so much for sharing that. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I'm I, I'm so excited about what Meltano's doing, about how you're bringing open source and data ops to everybody. I, I'm I'm thrilled with your business model, I think this is amazing stuff. And I think it's really going to help drive that next evolution of what kind of open source and, and, and project management and, and the way we collaborate in the data space. I think it's it's overdue and, it, and it's great to see you putting some real energy behind that. I can't wait to see what's next for you and Miltano and, and the, to watch this growth uh, over coming years. I think it's going to be an amazing ride. So thank you for being on the show and sharing some of that with us today. Yeah, thank you, Anthony, so much for the opportunity. And uh, for everyone listening, if this story of data people building tools for data people uh, resonates, uh, please come join our Slack community where we currently have over 1,800 data professionals uh, doing exactly what I've been describing, coming together, sharing ideas and perspectives, and trying to build the next generation of data tooling. Um, and you are more than welcome to come join the party. And we will definitely include... Uh, more information and links uh, to that in the show notes. So so check out the show notes for uh, directions on how to get to Meltano and, and where you can uh, join that community. So thank you all uh, for joining us today. Uh, dive deeper with my book at dataleadershipbook.com and use promo code AlgmanDL at the Dataversity Online Training Center for 20% off your first purchase. And if you enjoy our show and would love your own but don't know where to start, visit algman.com to learn how we make having your own video podcast as easy as joining a and sending an email. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact. <laughs>